The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we'll continue, continue with our theme for the week. A group of um, prominent emotion scientists, neuroscientists, wrote a, wrote a piece recently in a, in a journal, prominent journal, and um, where I titled the, the Rise of Affectivism, Affect, Feeling, Rise of Affectivism. And what they said was, there was behaviorism, which was uh, oriented around conditioning and reinforcement, reward, punishment, um, and then a cognitive phase, you know, where a lot of the attention was around, around memory and attention and perception. And now they suggest maybe we're in a phase in this cognitive science realm of affectivism, valence, emotion, empathy, mood, motivation, stress, well-being. So the, they write, um, the behavioral and cognitive sciences have faced perennial challenges of incorporating emotions, feelings, motivations, moods, and other affective processes into models of human behavior and the human mind. Such processes have long been marginalized or ignored, typically on the basis that they were irrational, unmeasurable, or simply unenlightening. However, it's become increasingly difficult to deny that these processes are not only linked to well-being, but also shape our behavior and drive key cognitive mechanisms such as attention, learning, memory, decision-making. Emotions do not just shape how we interpret the world, but also shape which aspects of the world need our attention and which can be safely ignored. Emotions are not just about what is, but also about what matters. So, so much hinges on feeling. So much hinges on feeling. And in this interpersonal world, you know, the interpersonal realm that, that's been our focus, um, it's so vital that we become deeply acquainted. There are, there are of course, thoughts and perception and sights and sounds and uh, tastes and other sensations. Um, but um, feeling is the linchpin. Ajahn Sajito says, um, uh, all dhammas converge on feeling. All dhammas, all, all, in this context, all phenomena converge on feeling. And experience largely becomes meaningful because of feeling. 
experience becomes meaningful because of feeling. Motivation depends on feeling. The sense of urgency depends on feeling. And each feeling state announces a kind of command. Do something, say something, think something. And so we have to um, develop a kind of wise, clear, loving relationship with our feeling life. And this is... uh, Nowhere is this more apparent than in enjoying and navigating the, you know, interpersonal realm. So uh, evolutionary uh, psychiatrist niece says, um, emotions are specialized modes of operation shaped by natural selection to adjust the physiological, psychological, and behavioral parameters in ways that increase our capacity and tendency to respond adaptively to threats and opportunities. And there are, there are always threats and opportunities. Being with others entails some threat and opportunity Remember that line we started with from Lisa Feldman Barrett that the the best thing for a human nervous system is another human and the worst thing for a human nervous system is another human. We are navigating subtle or more demonstrable threat and opportunity. And This means that our feeling life is very prominent in the the interpersonal realm. And while emotion is designed uh, to promote evolutionary fitness, that's very different from saying that it's designed for enlightenment. There are some things that, yeah, we flow with the stream of our own biological conditioning and other things we go against the stream. And so we, uh, we need deep emotional wisdom for, to tolerate the dependence of love, the surrender that I was speaking about yesterday. The, uh, the increasing riskiness of entrusting our heart to another can torque our mind in a lot of different ways. To open our heart uh, to another entails a willingness and um, courage to, to grieve. All, all that is precious and dear to me is of the nature to change. Yeah. Colleague um, Giselle Jones uh, defines intimacy as um, 
the ability and willingness to see and be seen. The ability and willingness to see and be seen. And we need profound emotional skill to be undisguised in our strength and our poverty. Wisdom and equanimity is uh, required to fully enjoy pleasure, not to pinch our pleasure because it feels wild or exposed or somehow cuts against our notion of uh, restraint. We, we often, often talk about equanimity with craving, and that's one thing, that's vital. But what is equanimity with pleasure itself? It does not mean to squash it. It does not mean to not enjoy it. And it does not mean to be worried about getting attached. What, what, how do we bring this kind of skill with feeling so as not to suppress or get entangled? We need wisdom to um, navigate the, the inevitable challenges and frustrations and disappointments, the cycles of, um, of idealization, of disillusionment, of reconnecting to some uh, warmth, the tolerance of ambivalence, ambivalence, this kind of uh, one way of thinking about dukkha, about suffering is uh, it's about ambivalence. We need emotional skill to um, to recognize that um, the other can never be the end of your seeking. Other people in our lives uh, can do so much, some things that only another can do. And and, uh, the other cannot be the end of seeking. Wanting in other words, is always different from getting. We need emotional skill to be wrong. There's so much, so much shame about being wrong, and we're wrong so much. Sometimes you maybe you know those moments. You you kind of know you're wrong. Maybe you're having a conversation with somebody important to you and um, and there's like that that subtle little voice of just like yeah I kind of know I'm wrong right 
but the prospect of the shame of, of kind of acknowledging it is just too much. So we like double down, you know, even though we know we're bluffing, right? Just dig in. I was always inspired by something Sylvia Borstein said when she said, like, you know, when I realize I'm wrong, like, I'll just like pull up right out of the moment, just mid sentence and just say, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. This doesn't feel right. You know, it's like you can feel that you're about to like redouble, dig back into your emotional stance and like the courage of just like mid sentence. You know, uh, so wait a second. Take skill, yeah? Skill, emotional skill. We need skill uh, amidst all of these realms of feeling, interpersonal realm. Sajin Sajito. Uh, if it's properly cultivated, the body can provide a mooring post. It's the ground, the stabilizer. It knows how to discharge energy. All that push of the mind sends a lot of energy into the system. Sometimes you can get quite heated or feel very heavy, tense, tight, disoriented. That's what's happening uh, what's happening is all that that Vedna and Sankaras are pushing and driving, churning up energy. The body knows how to discharge. The mind doesn't, not by itself. This is how you allow the discharge to happen. Relax. Open the palms of the hands. Open the soles of the feet. Relax the jaw, open the temples of the head, sockets of the eyes and the forehead. Drop your shoulders, loosen your belly, breathing out, releasing. You begin to see that those mental, emotional, psychological patterns have a body correlative correlation and you work on their bodily aspect it may not give you clear solutions as to why you feel this way what you're going to do with the rest of your life how you're going to sort out this person and so forth but it will tell you how to stop suffering So as we uh, develop uh, more wisdom, patience, equanimity around feeling, this is uh, also deepens our empathic capacity that when we resolve, bring a higher resolution to our inner life, our inner feeling life, um, we can perceive in much richer detail the inner life of others. And um, this, of course, is helpful too.
So I offer this for consideration. Yeah, thank you. So um, we'll complete this uh, intensive tomorrow, um, day long at 9, 9.30 uh, Pacific. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll sit and practice and have some time in silence and some time for, um, I'll offer reflections and we can have some dialogue and um yeah, sort of uh, open some of the some of the threads that began here, um, and uh, yeah, I realize I, I'm. Uh, if you you want to volunteer as a co-host, um, I might need some help because uh, I can't disable. It's too late for a passcode, and I can't disable the chat. The uh, the uh, waiting room. So uh, if you want to take a shift for an hour or something, letting people in from the wait room, um, just chat me tomorrow morning. That's appreciated. And um, yeah, look forward to to actually seeing some of you. I appreciate the uh, the chats. I see things going and um, it will be nice to see your, your faces tomorrow if you join. And um, yeah, thank you, Phil. And uh, for DJing in the background and um, I wish you a good, uh, good day.